You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life, presented by Spartan Combat. Let's go. We would do these preseason stadium workouts that were just, you know, two hours of just nonstop. Some of the hardest things you can imagine doing. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is Ryan Warner, your host. We're coming to you Friday, July 30th from the windy Chicago IL birthplace of the baby back ribs. As you know, typically we get our second episode out midweek, but I'm writing the script for our next audio documentary, Slang Satiev, and I've been in the writer's zone this week, folks, so today was the first time I could come up for air and get you this episode. Our guest today is the great Matt Azevedo, head coach at Drexel University. Matt wrestled at Arizona State and Iowa State. His uncle John Azevedo is a California legend. To this day is the head coach at Cal Poly. And in this episode, we cover a lot of ground, go over a lot of wrestling history. I think you're going to love it. Fan of the week goes to my man Ryan Milhoff. That's Ryan underscore Milhoff on the gram. Sorry, that's my... I got, I'm dog sitting right now, folks. I got a dog in the house. I'm not a dog guy, I'll admit it. But I'm dog-sitting, so that's what you're hearing in the background. Fan of the week, Ryan Milhoff, currently the head coach at Collins High School. Go Eagles Wrestling. Ryan, thanks again for the support, my man. I appreciate it. As always, this podcast is proudly presented by Spartan Combat, spartancombat.com, for all of your wrestling needs. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great Matt Azevedo. Peace! Matt Azevedo, welcome to the podcast, sir. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. Absolutely. You have uh, a lot of different uh, different angles to choose from here, um, but I wanted to start with, you grew up in Nevada. Most people don't think about wrestling as a big hotbed state, but actually your uncle was there helping you, and for folks who don't know, the great John Azevedo, 1980 Olympian and NCAA champion. So what was it like growing up in Nevada with your uncle? uncle coaching and your dad around well actually my uncle didn't coach he coached in california um okay. at Chapel in southern california and i i did end up wrestling for my uncle but not until my senior year um so 
Oh, so did you move high schools and move? I did. I oh, did. My wow. Senior year, I changed high schools. Yeah. So I, I started wrestling in Nevada in seventh grade. Um, and I was fortunate enough that when my family moved to Las Vegas, uh, moved in the school district of the best wrestling high school uh, in the state. Uh, but I wasn't involved in wrestling at that point. So it wasn't on purpose, uh, totally by chance. Um, and, uh, but, um, you know, I had known about wrestling. I was aware of wrestling because my uncle was a, an Olympic wrestler and a national champion and, and was a high school coach in California. So, you know, I was aware of wrestling, but I played baseball uh, pretty much year round. Um, and then in seventh grade, uh, they were having signups. They were, uh, you know, my local junior high was uh, kids club was there and Hey, we're looking for kids to join wrestling. So I signed myself up and, and got into wrestling that way. And then that program fed into El Dorado high school, uh, which is where I, I wrestled um, my freshman, sophomore and junior year. And unbeknownst to me, El Dorado high school was on a streak of winning, you know, six, seven, eight, uh, state titles in a row at that point. So when I, when I joined the team, my freshman year, um, we had just coming off, we had just come off winning our seventh state title in a row. Um, and, and our head coach there was Jimmy May. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Um, is still coaching to this day, uh, in, in at the collegiate level in a, in AIA, um, out in Kansas. Um, but, uh, great coach and, and great mentor. And, and that's where I really got started. I, I would go uh, to California in the summers and, and, and compete in Southern California and then go to my uncle's wrestling camps. Um, and, you know, eventually my, my senior year, yeah, I made that, I, I moved by, by myself uh, down to Southern California to wrestle for Calvary Chapel, who, in which they were the reigning California team state champions. And, um, you know, just, I guess essentially made that move because I wanted to, you know, further improve my wrestling. Um, and California was a much stronger state for wrestling. And I felt like I could get more, um, exposure, you know, to move on to the next level. That's a big move. And especially as a senior though. Yeah, I gave up a lot. I gave up a lot of, uh, you know, fun senior activities, um, you know, walked away from all my friends and all those activities and, and even walked away from, you know, being, you know, uh, you know, one, a top wrestler, uh, a part of a state championship team. I was a two-time state champ at that point. And yeah, I walked away from a lot. Um, but I felt like, it was what I needed to do for me personally to further my wrestling career and prepare me for college. Um, you know, we were going to wrestle a much tougher schedule out there, um, much tougher competition. I think we finished the year like ranked fifth in the nation. Our, our team was uh, at Calvary Chapel. Um, and then obviously being around my uncle as well. Um, I think something that helped that was uh, my, my coach in Las Vegas, Jimmy May, retired. Uh, he stopped coaching wrestling. And I think that made that decision a lot easier. I think if he had still been the coach, I might not have left. But since he, you know, was no longer the head coach, it kind of made it easy for me to, to make that transition and, uh, you know, train out in California full time. So what was the jump like, you know, being a two-time Nevada State champ going to California? How did you do? Uh, well, I mean, I finished third in the state, um, but yeah, it was a, it was, it was just, you know, it was a lot deeper, you know, I mean, I think one thing uh, that, that needs to be noted is Stephen Abbas 
uh, was the state champion at my weight class uh, that year. We're the same, we're in the same grade and uh, same, same age. And he was going for his third state title. And, um, you know, I knew I had my work cut out uh, against him um, and actually ended up facing him second round at the state championships. And he beat me up pretty good. Um, so, you know, I, I still had a, I still had a ways to go, you know, and going from Nevada to California, it, it was a big jump. I mean, I, I was, I was on par for the most part, but, uh, Abbas was a whole nother level. Um, for, I mean, for sure. he's an all timer obviously. And, but the, to bring it, run into him early and then come back for third, that's still obviously, you know, as good as you probably could have hoped for at that point coming from, uh, you know, coming over from Nevada. And I didn't really know kind of where the, the competition level stood between the two. So. Yeah, I just think Nevada's got a has you know has always had a lot of great individuals. The depth just isn't the same as it is in California, um, and uh, you know, and I think just you know even for me going to Calvary Chapel was just I was going to have a, some great partners, you know, higher level competition. We were we were competing more of a nat on a national uh, level, so. It, it was a good move. My, my wrestling really, you know, jumped as an individual. I got a lot better. Um, and it, it was, you know, it, it was the best thing for me to do at that point. How would you describe your uncle's coaching philosophy? Like his approach? Uh, very, very technical. Um, he loves technique. I mean, I, he's a, um, you know, he's a wrestling guru. I mean, he just, he lives it, he breathes it. I mean, still to this day, he's on the mat. Um, you know, you, you know, one of his recent, most recent protégés, uh, Evan Wick, um, you know, he just, he loves to get on the mat. He loves to work with kids. He loves to help them, you know, achieve their goals. You know, he was, you know, uh, you know, known for his technique, um, as a competitor, you know, him and Joe Gonzalez were teammates at, uh, Cal State Bakersfield. And I, you know, still to this day, hear stories of, when those, those two would warm up, you know, you know, we're warming up and drilling for a competition that people would crowd around the mat and watch them because of the way they drilled was, you know, unique, you know, no, nobody drilled, you know, at that pace, at that intensity with such precision, uh, it was kind of a newer thing. Um, and, uh, you know, people that were around wrestling at that time, give, you know, John and Joe a lot of credit for, you know, kind of bringing uh, that, that style of training and, and, and drilling, you know, to, to the sport. And now to the, now this, now today, it's like, you know, you know, drilling's a big, a big, a big part of wrestling and doing it, you know, um, machine, like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what John is really good at producing just technical machines. Cause we would just, you know, drill a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he demands perfection, you know, but, but I think he does it in a very, you know, caring and nurturing way, you know. Well, you mentioned Joe Gonzalez. He's been on the podcast, you know, and for folks who don't know who that is, watch his match against Gene Mills, one of the craziest matches of all time in the NCAA finals. But Gonzo said uh, your uncle John was one of the best lightweights, if not the best lightweights of all time, just totally untouchable. And to think that Cal State Bakersfield was a division two school at the time, it's pretty awesome to think that these California guys are coming in and winning uh, D1 titles when it's a Division II school. Um, obviously, rest in peace to the great Joe C., who created that whole structure. And, and so the reason I was asking about your uncle, though, is 
I, you know, from what I heard from Gonzo is that it was very technical. So was there a lot of running and lifting or was it more like wrestling type conditioning? Wrestling. Yeah. Like you, you know, it's, it's funny because John, John's very humble. You know, he doesn't like to talk about himself that much. Um, and sometimes getting stories and information out of them is not always the easiest thing, but you know, when you can get to kind of open up, he said that they would just, it, it was wrestling, you know, they would, they would wrestle two times a day, pretty much every day. Um, you know, in the morning they would drill for like 45 minutes to an hour. And he said it was nonstop. It was like one guy would go until he was, you know, a little bit, you know, Hey, felt it. It's like, all right, now it's your turn. You go. And he said, they would just hit takedown after takedown and go for 45 minutes to an hour straight, no talking, no stopping, just, just going. Um, and then they would come in in the afternoons and, and do their live wrestling. Um, so, I mean, they, they did run. I mean, I, I know they did. I I've heard stories of, of Joe Gonzalez talking about running, you know, 10 miles at a time, you know, <laughs> overseas to get his weight down. Like he has some crazy stories that he tells, but yeah, I mean, I think that they, they did, you know, they did, um, you know, do other things, but I think most of their training was around wrestling, um, and, and, and technique and, and building your conditioning base, you know, through practicing the sport. So did John go over to Japan with Gonzo at all during that time? Yeah, they, he, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't have any recollection of any stories, but I do know that, yeah, they went, um, you know, I, I believe uh, they went over there and wrestled in a big tournament um, in 84, I believe when that, when, when they, when uh, John made the, the Olympic team in 84 they boycotted. So in place of the Olympic tournament, they went over to Japan and had a big tournament. And um, yeah, so I know I've heard John talk about that. Um, but I think like, you know, going back to what you said about what Joe said, you know, about John is, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I tell people to this day, they're shocked. I, you know, yeah, John was a three-time NCAA finalist. He only lost two matches in three years and they were both in the finals. Um, and to who? Bring up like Randy Lewis or? He lost to Randy Lewis as a sophomore, or I'm sorry, no, he lost to Randy Lewis as a junior. He lost to Andy Daniels as a sophomore. He got pinned mm. like uh, in like 20 seconds, 20 something seconds. Um, uh, it was kind of a, I think for a while, it may still be, it was a record for the fastest fall in the finals. Um, but wow. yeah, so John two losses. What's that? So two losses we're talking about here, people. Losses. Two losses in three years, and he ended up winning the the national, you know, the NCAA's his senior year. Yeah, you brought a match between Gene Mills and Joe Gonzalez. I mean, the very next match was uh, was John and um, and Randy Lewis, and that match was like twenty to fourteen or twenty to sixteen was God. the final score. Yeah, those were some tough weights. You had like Daryl Burley in there. He won as a freshman. Everyone thought he might be the first four timer, and then you know Randy Lewis and 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 your uncle were battling him. So great, great lineage that you come from. And I did not know you had moved to California as a senior. And so then you went to Arizona state and what was like your first month in the Arizona state room? Like, um, I, I remember not getting very many takedowns, but you know, I, I did feel like I was kind of battling. Uh, you know, I, I was, I was wrestling a lot with guys like Danny Felix, uh, Sean Ford. Um, you know, Sean Ford was a great, kind of mentor to me. He was an upperclassman uh, who had had a lot of success um, at the national level. He had beaten, I think, Jeff McGinnis the mm -hmm. year before the NCAAs. Um, and Sean, you know, liked me, took a liking to me, took me under his wing and 
Um, I think Danny Felix ended up getting hurt early on in that season. So I was starting, I, I was able to get a starting spot, uh, at 118, and Sean was the starter at 126. So he and I wrestled a lot. Um, and I didn't score very often. Um, so I, I remember, you know, I, I remember enjoying, you know, that, that, uh, that challenge, um, and just going in there every day and trying to, you know, get, get a takedown. Um, and I remember not, you know, really knowing, am I getting better or not? You know, I mean, I think there were some other kids in there that were similar to my age and I, I, you know, had kind of proven myself to be, you know, one of the, you know, top guys on that ladder. Um, Mike Kawamura was another, uh, lightweight 118 pounder. He had been the starter the year before. Um, and, but I was, uh, I was able to get in the lineup, uh, first semester and, um, so first month, you know, I don't know. I, I remember enjoying it. I remember, you know, but I remember not, not scoring very often. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I mean, that's, I can imagine uh, the case with a lot of folks. Now was Leroy the coach when you were there? Yep. Yep. Coach Smith and Zeke Jones, um, was, uh, was one of the assistants and, uh, and Tim Gressley was, uh, was our other assistant. Got it. And so I, I got to imagine, you know, Arizona, pretty similar to Nevada in terms of geography and climate and all of that. Um, at some point during your first couple of years, you transferred to Iowa state. What was behind that decision? So I was a walk-on at Arizona state. I didn't get a scholarship. Um, you know, I wasn't a highly recruited out of high school. I mean, I had, you know, I'd won a couple of state titles in Nevada. I was third in California. I did place out in Fargo my senior year and placed at the, back then the senior nationals, the high school nationals that only had seniors I placed, but those were, you know, that all happened, you know, at the end of my senior year. So I wasn't really highly recruited. Um, I took a, an official visit out to Purdue. They did offer me a scholarship. Um, I think I just had a hard time seeing myself going out there. Um, and I asked my dad, you know, Hey, what about Arizona state? I'd gone to a Zeke Jones wrestling camp down in, in, uh, in Tempe, so he called up, he called Leroy and, um, you know, I went out there on a visit and, you know, they didn't have any scholarship for me, but I just felt like, you know, this could be the right fit for me. Um, and so, yeah, I was working with Z Jones, uh, you know, on a daily basis, he was still competing, uh, my first two years. And, uh, you know, I, I also was like, uh, you know, I, I knew I wanted to wrestle in college, but I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't one of these guys that knew what my goals were and knew what I was capable of or knew what I wanted to do. I was still new to the sport. I started wrestling in seventh grade yeah. um, and still played baseball halfway through high school. So, uh, you know, I, I think I got to college, cut my teeth a little bit, uh, won a few good, I won a few big matches and saw that, okay, you know, I belong here. And then after my, uh, I, I, I wrestled as a true freshman. Then I redshirted. And after that year, I, I, I set a goal. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a three-time All-American. I mean, I, I can do this. Uh, and uh, then in between my second and third year at Arizona State, Zeke Jones left and uh, took a job at, as an assistant at West Virginia. And um, I ended up being a starter my, my third year. I beat out uh, Mike Calmura, who was the Pac-10 champ the year before. And had a great year. I was ranked, you know, as high as fifth in the nation. And, um, you know, going to the conference, I was, you know, probably ranked seventh um, at, at 125. That was the first year where they had changed the weights uh, from 
the, you know, added seven pounds and we were doing the, the, the one hour weigh-ins. That was the very first year there. Uh, and, um, tells you those guys had all gotten past the away. year before. So the year I redshirted is when they, we had all the, the, the issues, uh, and that, you know, like I think three wrestlers had, had, had died cutting weight. Um, and then my, my third year in college is when the new, uh, weight that the, basically the structure we use now was put in place. So we were kind of the guinea pigs on trying to, you know, figure that out. Um, but ultimately, you know, at the end of the year, I had done a poor job, uh, managing my weight. I had mm. kind of let it get out of control. Didn't have a great pack 10 placed like fifth and had to get a wild card to the nationals and lost my seed back then they seeded 12 and I dropped out of the seating and got drawn in and guess who I draw second round, Steven Navis, mm. uh, you know, who ends up going on and winning the nationals that year. But, um, uh, you know, I think I was disappointed in, in, in the season and disappointed in my performance. And I think I felt like something was missing. Um, you know, that individualized, that individual coach that I had with Zeke, Zeke, the, the, the two years prior, I felt like that was kind of missing. And, um, you know, I just felt like I needed, I needed to go somewhere else to find that. I think that was really what my, what my mindset was you know, at that point I had earned a little bit of scholarship, um, you know, but, uh, yeah, I guess I just started feeling like it wasn't the right fit. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I thought I was going to go to West Virginia. Honestly, I thought I was going to follow Zeke Jones to West Virginia. I went out there on a visit. Um, but then Iowa state came into the mix. And at that point they were ranked number one in the nation. And when I took a visit there, it was just, uh, it felt like home. And, uh, you know, I had been a part of a state championship team in Nevada. I've been as part of a state championship team in California. I was just, you know, used to being around, you know, uh, you know, people that are trying to, you know, succeed at the highest level. And I really felt that, um, when I went there, um, you know, but, you know, you know, now looking back, you know, I, you know, I don't regret the decision because I made, you know, a lot of great friends and, and learned a lot of great things and had great experiences, but, you know, the, you, what you learn is the grass isn't always greener. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes you got to look within and, uh, you know, maybe evaluate yourself a little harder. Um, and so, you know, it, I, 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 I appreciate the journey that I, that I was on and that I took because I think I was exposed to two different ways of doing things, but not necessarily one being better than the other. I mean, when I was at, when I was at Arizona state, we were a top 10 team. I mean, every year we were top 10. I mean, we, we had a great lineup um, and we had a lot of talent um, and uh, you know, so. And I even heard back, you know, I've had Aaron Simpson on and I don't know if that was your era or not. Yeah, yep. It yeah. was. He said that some of those like, um, you know, regular season, like all the way up to the Pac-10, ASU was having great seasons and sometimes just overtraining and guys would just really didn't have the Pac-10. Uh, is it Pac-10 or Pac-12? I always forget. Well, it's Pac-12 now. It was Pac-10 oh. then. Yeah. But like just in general, though, like Pac-12s or Nationals didn't always go like as you thought. But seasons, you know, Arizona State was, like you said, one of the top teams. Yeah. I mean, we would go out to national duels and, and place every year, um, you know, knock off teams in duels. Um, what was yeah. Bobby like when you were say it again? Go I was ahead. like, what was Bobby like when you went on the, uh, the tour to Iowa state? I just remember Bobby was, um, you know, 
he's got a really deep voice. And I think that sometimes that can be a little intimidating, but then when you like sit down, you know, for dinner with him, and he starts telling stories and he kind of lightens up and you see like the softer side of him, but sometimes he can, you know, be very, you know, direct and, and I don't know if gruffs the word, but he's just got that, you know, that, that voice. And, you know, I think as a young, uh, as a young kid that that can be a little bit intimidating, but then you get to know him and you realize, you know, he's, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's got a soft heart. Um, but, uh, you know, I think what sold me more than the coaches was the team, you know? Um, I mean, obviously Bobby was a legend and Chris Bono was on staff and Tom Ortiz at that point. Uh, so those guys, you know, all made me feel at home, but, you know, just when I went, went on my visit, you know, guys like Joe Heskid and Cody Sanderson and Billy Maldonado, they just, they made me feel at home. They made me feel like I was already a part of the team. You know, it was just like, you know, Hey, we want you here. We need you. We want to win a national title. And, you know, they just made me feel really a part of the program, you know, you know, before I even was. And, uh, yeah. So, so like I said, uh, you know, I think, you know, sometimes looking back, maybe individually, um, uh, it didn't end up being the best decision because I didn't achieve my goals. Uh, but, you know, I think team wise, there was there, I, you know, I just, I made a lot of great friends, you know, but I, I still, still have great friends back from Arizona state. You know, it's like, it's really cool to see Eric Larkin, you know, and, um, Mike Douglas and Tracy Brown. They've got that, a valiant uh, yes. program out of Arizona. I mean, those guys were all my teammates. Um, so it's so cool to see them and, you know, Eric and his, his boys now are, Did you see his son this summer. Oh yeah. Oh God, yeah. He's so good. Yeah. Um, you know, Eric and I were, were, uh, we're teammates, you know, one, one uh, my, my, my sophomore year and, you know, Eric came in and gosh, he, you know, came in as a true freshman and was beating me, uh, pushing me. And that, that was, you know, we, we had a great relationship as well. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you just, you meet so many great people along the way. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time it seemed like the thing I needed to do. Um, and, you know, I think in some ways it was a good decision in some ways, you know, it, it, you know, I probably would have been fine staying right where I was, you know? So, so Lark I just got to ask you real quick about Larkin. Cause I love, I just love that guy. And, uh, I went to the ASU camps as like an eighth grader in like 2001, 2002. And so he was like the guy then, and I can't remember when he won the Hodge, but somewhere around there. And I just remember how like calm he was, you know, cause I, I'm from the Midwest and Iowa was really big at the time. And they were like, you know, everyone knows the stereotype, but he was like, just really chill. Um, so what was he like as a, as a freshman coming in? Was he just that good just coming in? Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember he came in, he came in in the spring or the summer before he started as a freshman and we were training some freestyle and he kind of got the better of me. And I remember calling my dad and telling him like, he's like, Oh, how'd it go? And I told him, and, and I remember my dad kind of being like a little bit upset. Like you let this, you let some high school kid come in and beat you. And I'm like, I, I you don't understand. He's really good. Uh, yeah. but yeah, he was just a natural. I mean, not, not a natural. He just, he just loves wrestling. And, and he had a, a wrestling, a wrestler's mind. Like you could tell he, he would, he would figure things out for himself. You know, he had ways that he did things that, that were different than other people did. You know, it's like, well, I like to do this. I like to do that. And, you know, I, I learned, I learned from him. Um, 
you know, cause I, I enjoyed, I would watch, wow, that's really cool. Like, what are you doing there? And he's like, Oh, I, you know, I do this little thing. I put my leg here, my, you know, grab this. And so, you know, he just loved technique. He loved figuring it out. He loved, you know, um, being creative with his wrestling, but yeah, cool, calm, collected. Yeah. That's Eric. I mean, he just out on the mat and just finds ways to end up on top, um, find ways to make scrambles go his way. Um, and him and I both were like cutting a lot of weight that year, him down to 33, me down to 25. And, and I remember we were just, yeah, we were always together, <laughs> losing, getting our weight off. How much you over, how much you over. Uh, but, uh, but Eric, yeah, I just remember watching him and just being so impressed all the time. Just nothing phased him. You know, he's at the NCAAs wrestling the number one guy in the country and he beats him. You know what I mean? Just, it's just Eric, you know? Uh, and I always admired that about him. Just, nothing seemed to uh, his his feathers never really got ruffled i guess right is a good way to put it well you look at the interview his son kyler did after he beat gibson now we're talking about two 16 and under studs here so not even at the junior level yet but you know freshman sophomores in high school and eric's son comes into fargo wasn't ranked on a lot of the boards beats gibson and afterwards he's like you know i don't get nervous i get excited and if you watch him wrestle that kind of reminds me how eric larkin used to wrestle it's just so cool to see that. Yeah. Steps up. He steps up to the challenge, you know, and that was, that was always Eric. Yeah. Just, you know, rises to the occasion. Um, yeah, I really, yeah, I enjoyed my time with him. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, still to this day, you know, just, it, it, it's just cool. It's cool to see him now rubbing off on his boys in that program. And, um, it, it's, it's really neat. I'm, I'm all in on the Valiant Prep coattails. I'm riding now all the way home. <laughs> That's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud Illinoisan, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, but Valiant Prep had more Fargo finalists than Illinois did in the cadets. And I was like, wow, like that, they're doing something out there. So shout out to Angel Cejudo and, and all those guys who are, who are doing, doing the thing out there. Pretty amazing. Um, so I, I got to ask you, in past reviews, you said that the transition to Iowa State, your first year, it took a toll on you. Was it the winners? Was it like the like your personal relationships? What was it that was so challenging that first year outside of the wrestling? And maybe it was the wrestling. I, I think it was a lot of things. I think I put pressure on myself, you know, like I'm transferring. Uh, so I have to do better. You know what I mean? I'm wrestling for the number one team in the country. So now I have to be better, you know, um, I put this, you know, extra pressure on myself to be something more or something that I thought I need to be. Um, and I think that that kind of got to me a little bit and, uh, but I think it was just everything. I think all, I think just right. Different weather, different teammates, different coaches, different training. I mean, the, the amount of work that we did at Iowa state was crazy. There, there's no way anybody out-trained us. Um, really? Tell me about it. it no way. There, there's no way. Um, I mean, and, and, and to the point where, you know, maybe it was potentially too much. <laughs> um, I mean, there's, there, you know, probably, I don't know if there's any program out there doing what we did. Um, we would do these preseason stadium workouts that were just, you know, two hours of just nonstop (laughs) 
some of the hardest things you can imagine doing. Um, you know, and, and a lot of like, so everybody was like prepping me. Well, just wait, just wait till we do these stadiums. And I was always a good, I was always in really good shape and could run. And, you know, I was always the, you know, usually the fastest guy on the team when it came to long distance running. And so I'm just like, okay, whatever. Like, how hard could this be? You know? Um, and they're like, it's not what we do at the stadium. It's what we do before the stadium that wears you out. Then you go to the stadium and do all this stuff. So yeah, we would do these, what we call what Bobby called grass drills. And it was all these just different wrestling drills where you're working on holding position and, you know, guys pulling on your head and, and then you're, and you're going to like push-ups and sit-ups and you know, jump squats and split. And then it's like back to wrestling stuff. And we would do like 30 minutes of this stuff, which was really a full workout. Then it was like, all right, jog to the stadium, which was like a mile away. And then we would jog there and we had, there were these grass hills that would lead up to the side of the bleachers up the side and up the back. And so you'd get to the side and with a partner, you'd have to do, you know, like fireman's carries up this like long grass hill and then wheelbarrows and, you know, various things. Then we would get to the stadium and you never knew how much you were going to do. It was different every time you didn't know. It was like, all right, you know, sprints, go, go back down, go. You never knew. You never knew how much you were going to do. You knew you were going to do like, you know, bunny hops and sprints and uh, buddy carries. And, you knew we were going to snake, just start snaking the thing. And then we always finished with some stuff on this back hill, which was really steep, but shorter. Um, and again, you didn't know it was like, sometimes it was sprints, sometimes it was buddy carries, you know, and then you jog back, um, you know, a mile back and, 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 you know, in the, in, in, in the fall or in August, uh, Iowa, it's hot, it's humid. It's those workouts were brutal. Uh, your legs were just, you're in the shower and they're just like shaking, giving out. Uh, um, and, and I just remember a lot of live wrestling. We went, we wrestled live every day. I don't know if there was a day we didn't wrestle live. Um, it was just a matter of how much live, you know, the beginning of the week, it was a lot. And as the week went on, it was less. Um, and at that time I liked it because at Arizona state, it was more of, Hey, we would drill two, three, we would have two, three practices out of five. You might wrestle live twice, you oh, know, two really? days, two days. Yeah. Like, so we, you know, out of say five practices, two of them would have live wrestling, maybe three, but there was a lot more drilling, a lot more technique. You know, you're talking Oklahoma state system, Leroy Smith, uh, uh, Zeke Jones, super technical. So there was a lot of drilling, a lot less live. And then you go to Iowa state and it's like mostly live less drilling. Um, but I think for me at that time, it was what I needed. You know, I think it, it toughened me up. It, it um, taught me how to push the pace and, and wrestle really hard and, and make conditioning a factor. Um, I, I, I was just telling somebody, one of the guys on my team, one of our wrestlers here at Drexel, I go, yeah, getting tired wasn't a thing. We didn't get, I didn't get tired. We worked so hard. We wrestled so much and ran so much that you, I didn't get tired. I mean, you wow. can just go and go and go and go. And, um, it's amazing. It was amazing, you know, in some ways, but you know, sometimes you think back, it's like, did we need to do that much? Um, what but, was uh, kale like during all those workouts? Yeah. Nope. Hey, we all did it. You know, we all did it. We all were, you know, getting after it. Um, was and, he like a, a leader at that time though? Or was he like a young guy on the team? 
So Kale was a year younger than me. So I, uh, okay. when I got there, he was a sophomore. So he had just won his first title as a freshman. Um, and yeah, Kale was a leader, you know, Kale was a leader by example. Um, you know, Kale was somewhat quiet, but I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, as the next three years progressed, he got more vocal and became a more vocal leader. Um, uh, you know, Cody was a, uh, was a vocal leader. Um, we had a heavyweight Trent Heenick who was pretty vocal. Um, but I think the thing that really, I think had a big impact on me is that partly because what we did was so difficult and so <laughs> challenging, um, you know, everybody and everybody had to do it. Everybody was doing it. We were all in on it. The expectation was if you're on this team, everybody's expected to go hard, be there on time. And something that really uh, like had an impression on me is we had some kids showed up late or didn't even show up to morning practice. I can't remember. And then later that day, and, and this kid was like, you know, probably one of the worst kids on the team. I mean, he just was probably like a third or fourth string guy. Um, and one of the older guys was like, was mad. He was like, where were you? you? You know, was just laying into this kid. Like you better not miss practice again. And I was like, that had a huge impression on me. Cause I was like, this guy's never going to be in our lineup. He's never going to be a starter, but yet this guy, our, like one of our captains is like, <laughs> if, if we're there, you're there. Everyone is in on this. Um, and that was powerful because whenever we won anything as a team, our whole team was there. You know, like when we won a trophy at the nationals, our whole team was up on, not just the, 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 the guys that qualified to the nationals, but every single wrestler on that team that was at the tournament was brought up onto the stage and got to participate in that because, Hey, we're all in this together because we all know what we've gone through, uh, you know, to get here. And um, I think that just that, positive peer pressure amongst teammates that, you know, we're all going to work really hard. The expectation is you work hard. There's no cutting corners. There's no showing up late. There's no missing practice. And, and if you, you know, you do it one time and that's it. And <laughs> cause you get an earful. Um, and, and for me, that was, that was really powerful. Um, and was, you know, I, I think looking back, like that was why those teams were so special. Um, we, we didn't win a national title. We took second twice. Um, but those were special teams, really, really special teams. Um, you know, you got you know, like Joe Heskett, Zach Thompson, uh, Kale Sanderson, Trent Heenick, Cody Sanderson, uh, Billy Maldonado, you know, uh, you know Aaron Bill Holker, uh, uh, Aaron Holker. Yeah. Aaron Holker came in right, uh, you know, right towards, uh, and right in my last year. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's other names I'm, I'm probably forgetting, but yeah, that was a special team. Um, We've got to talk about the 2000 nationals because that year Iowa state, I think it was like five and a half points, right? Lost to Iowa. Both had one champ. I know, you know, a lot of people who are huge Bobby Douglas fans always say it's just a shame. He never won one that had to be the closest. Um, what do you remember about just that team race there in 2000? Well, I, you know, one, I was at that tournament yeah. and I was, and I was Owen too. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't get an automatic bid. I had to get a wild card, but I actually didn't get selected. They, we called them wild cards back then. I didn't get selected for a wild card. I was the first alternate. 
but Nebraska had like a 74, 84 pounder that had like really hurt his ankle pretty bad. So the Friday before the NCAAs, Nebraska calls and says, we're pulling our guy out. So Azevedo could go. And uh, so I get a, and I was still practicing. Like my coach, like you got to practice. You're the alternate, but I'm just like, yeah, right. I'm not going. So I wasn't watching my weight, you know, uh, and that was a mistake. Oh, you know, that no. was a mistake. Um, How bad was, I was it? I was still training. I was training. I was practicing. I get home on Friday night. Tom Ortiz calls me. He's like, get back down here. You need to get on the scale. And I was like, I just ate dinner. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was probably like, I, don't know, I, I probably wasn't that much. I was like 17 over, probably something like that. But anyway, uh, so I was at that tournament. I went 0-2, uh, but our team is wrestling awesome. But we had a couple other guys like Sonny Marchetti was on the team that year as a transfer. Uh, Billy Maldonado, was uh, he was at 41. Uh, he was at – Billy was at 49. We had a couple guys losing the round of 12, like Cole Sanderson. So I think like Cole, Billy, and Sonny all lost in the round of 12 or round of 16. Um, I didn't end up scoring any points that year. Uh but we were winning. We took an early lead because Iowa had a couple guys falter. I think, I think Schwab got upset. I think um, uh, Williams, TJ Williams got upset. So they had a couple like guys that were expected to be in the finals get upset. And then we ended up putting five in the five in the finals. Wow. Cody, uh, Joe Heskett, Kale Sanderson, Zach Thompson. So we had four in the finals and then Trent Heenick ended up taking third, but those who had five placers four in the finals and one third. So uh, going into uh, Saturday morning, we had the lead, but these Iowa guys who got upset and got knocked down into the consolation just came roaring back. I mean, I don't know if they lost any matches, they might've lost one match, you know, like strip uh, got third tj got third schwab might have got third too wow and they were like pinning people it was just like you just you just you know i was in the stands at that point watching i was kind of a spect i was a fan i was a spectator cheering my my teammates on but we had no we had no dogs in the fight so i i went saturday morning and watched we had nobody wrestling you know uh, oh trent i guess trent was trent Heenick was so he did come back and take third but I always got all these guys in the wrestlebacks and they're just like pin tech major. It was just like, Oh no, what's happening. So then right by Saturday night, they had a lead. Um, and we needed, we needed to win too. Um, and we did, we matched up against Iowa at 133. Cody had uh, Jurgens. Um, you know, Kale had, I think Virtus Jones, I think that year, Joe mm-hmm. Heskett had, um, um, Blackie. Oh, Pritzloff. Pritzloff. He had Pritzloff. Um, and that, that was Joe's uh, sophomore year. So he was in the finals for the first time. He had Pritzloff. And then Zach Thompson had Brad Varing. Um, and then Cody loses to Jurgens in overtime. I think he got taken down. Uh, Joe lost in either overtime or double overtime. I think it was overtime. I think he got taken down. Uh, then Kale got a tech, I think. Uh, and then Jeez. Zach Thompson lost in the, in the ride out, the ultimate ride out. So we lost two overtime matches and one double overtime match. And if any, one of those guys wins, you win, right? Yeah. 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 We needed Iowa to, I don't know if they only had the one guy in the finals. Maybe they had one other, you know, we needed them to lose one and us to win two and, and it, it didn't happen. 
Wow. What a team race for the ages. Yeah. I got to I got to ask you about Sony Marchetti. I've heard nothing but legendary stories from this guy. I know him and Joe were both from Ohio and that he was just like a destroyer in high school. What do you remember from working out with him when he transferred over? I know he was at the tail end of his career. Well, you know what? I, I worked at, I didn't actually end up working out with him very much because he was actually quite a bit bigger than me. And he was a 41 and I was a 25, but he was a bit bigger than me, but we, we rolled around a little bit, but um, yeah, I was on, I was on the team with him for one year and yeah, he was just an incredible athlete. He was just one of those guys that, you know, even in high school, you watched him kind of in awe, you know, it's like, wow, this kid is just, he's so fast. He's so explosive. And, you know, technically he could do so many things. And, um, you know, I think in some ways his style might've been a better free for freestyle than folk style. Cause he would just hit these blast doubles and put guys on their backs, but there'd be so much momentum that he'd roll through and not take the guy down. <laughs> um, but yeah, just an unbelievable athlete, um, you know, and just super intense. Yeah, um, man, those I didn't realize how deep that team was. And yeah, so, well, and, 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 and we and I, and I was uh, Sonny and I were transfers. We had just come in that year. He had come in for I think from Lassen, and I was in from Arizona State. Uh, but yeah, the team was already really deep. You know. Yeah, I mean it's crazy to think back, um, and I forgot that Tom Ortiz was the assistant because Bobby was the coach at ASU, and then Tom was a coach at ASU for a long time after that. Um, so it's just interesting that you're also from ASU. So a lot of connections. Um, when did your uncle become the head coach at Cal Poly? Uh, so during my last year at Iowa state, um, he, he became the assistant coach at Cal Poly. So essentially they brought him in. He was going to be the assistant for two years and then take over. So he was the assistant, um, my last year at Iowa state. And then that's when he uh, said, hey, you want to come out and coach with us at Cal Poly? And then we also talked to Joe Heskett into doing it. So Joe Heskett and I both, you know, I actually had to stay at Iowa State for one extra year to finish up school. So I was like a grad assistant. I mean, I I was still working on my undergrad because of my transfer. And um, so that so Joe and, and Kale's senior year, I was like kind of a player coach, if you will. I was still training and working out with those guys and travel with the team and stuff. So then Joe graduated and we both went to Cal Poly and my uncle was still an assistant for one more year. And then, so we were all there as assistants and then he took over the following year as the head coach. So he's probably became the head coach in 2003, 2004. What a weather and scenery upgrade. Cause Cal Poly's probably the most beautiful or San Luis Obispo is one of the most beautiful places in the, in the whole U S just gorgeous out there. And I did not know Joe Heskett made the trip. That's awesome. And so you're out there now learning from another legend yet again, but as a coach, not as an athlete, um, what are some of the big takeaways you guys had? Cause Cap probably got second in the big 12 or the PAC 12, like Oh four and Oh six. So you guys had some good teams. Like what were some of the big takeaways from that time? You know, you know, John just, John just had, has a feel, he just has a feel for, you know, what the team needs and what individuals need, you know, um, he, he knows how to get individuals prepared. You know, I mean, I think that's the bottom line. He, and he, he creates an environment that I think is encouraging and, uh, is positive and, but it's also based around technique. You know, it's like, we're gonna, 
we're going to dive in and become better wrestlers. Um, and we're going to break things down and we're going to drill a lot. And, you know, but, but I think that John is just, he's a caring person. I think, you know, he earns his, his, uh, his athletes trust, you know, through his, um, his, his interactions with them. Um, but John's also a legend in California. I mean, John's a legend and everybody respects him and, but he's earned it, you know, he's earned it through, you know, everything that he's done. And it's just, he has the magic touch, you know, it's like whoever he works with, they get better. I mean, it's just the bottom line. And, and he's also one of these guys that doesn't, he doesn't, he's not, he's not out there trying to take all the credit for it. You know, he's not doing a bunch of interviews and talking about this or that. And he just likes working with kids and helping them win. And that's, and, and, and that shines through, you know what I mean? Like he really cares. Um, and, 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 uh, yeah, you know, so now, and so now that you're a head coach, how was, how would you describe your philosophy? I know you're a tech technique guy and you love it, but you've also seen the Midwest way of like kind of pounding in the conditioning. So like, how do you kind of take all these experiences for your own plan? Yeah. You know, I try to take a little bit from everybody that I've, that I've been around. Um, and you know, I think that, you know, most of my philosophy is comes from John, um, cause that's who had the biggest influence on me. That's who I worked with the most. And I just seen him have so much success doing things the way that he does it. So I, I think that's where my foundation lies, but then, you know, I've picked up things along the way, like, you know, we, we've been working on cradles this past week and Hey, I got that from Joe Haskett, you know, uh, and, you know, just working on top, you know, when I went to Cornell as an assistant, I saw how important top wrestling was, you know, just East coast wrestling, they wrestle more on the mat. And, you know, I picked up a lot of things there by working with guys like, you know, Troy Nickerson and, and, and Kyle Dake and, and even Rob, like Rob, just putting an emphasis on top wrestling. Um, and, you know, but then right. That, Hey, you, you've got to have those days where you're going to go hard. Do we need to wrestle live every single day? No, but do we need those days where we're going to wrestle live and we're going to get after it? Yes. And, you know, um, you know, and, and, and so I think I take a little bit of both. Yes. There's that technical side that you get from the West coast, but then that kind of hard nose, we're going to grind it out and really hit the conditioning, you know, that I, I took from, you know, my Iowa state experiences and kind of the, a nice marriage of the two. Um, because I do think at the collegiate level, you know, having strong conditioning and, and getting your team to believe in their conditioning is really important. Um, and so you've got to be doing things that, that are going to back that up. Yeah. And then you also mentioned Cornell, you just, I think maybe one or two seasons out there, but you are around a real like CEO. I think of a CEO of a program, I think of Rob Cole and the fundraising. And I'm sure at a program like Drexel, you're wearing a lot of different hats. So like outside of the practices, I mean, what kind of, what does your day look like? How much other stuff are you doing at a program like Drexel? A lot, a lot. And, and yes, my experience at Cornell was vital, you know, really to this, to, to the success that we're having at Drexel because the skills I picked up from Rob, even though it was only two seasons, those were things that I really needed. I needed, you know, um, you know, that's why I always kind of say like from John, I learned how to, how to train kids, how to, how to work with kids, how to, you know, create a, a wrestling, you know, a structure, a training structure. And then from Rob, I learned, you know, how to do all these other things, the recruiting, the fundraising, the marketing and promotions. That was, that was one of my number one jobs 
um, at Cornell was marketing and promoting the matches. Mm. You know, we would have high school dual meets, uh, clinics, um, you know, different promotions. You know, it was my job to make sure that all of that stuff was, um, you know, done and, and that we were adding new ideas and, and just putting people in the stands. Um, so that was one of my number one jobs. And that was huge. And then I, I, I organized the golf outing the one year. So I got a little bit of taste of that. But I think just being around Rob and hearing him talk about what he was doing and what he had to do to, to get Cornell to where it was, that's a lot of what rubbed off. And, and maybe I didn't get to do a lot at firsthand. I just learned that, hey, this is important. Relationships, building relationships. That's probably the biggest thing I got from him. You have to build relationships with your wrestlers, with your alumni, with your athletic department, people across campus. Relationships are going to be your lifeline to everything. Um, and that was huge. That was, that was, that was a, something that was really powerful that I took away from him. Yeah, it's like, you know, a lot of wrestlers, sometimes we think of ourselves as like hard-headed, you know, maybe like not the best relationship builders. But you look at any of these guys who have built programs, that's like the first thing they say. Um, so when was the first time you got a call regarding the Drexel job? Um, I, I, I want to say, I think Rob talked to me about it. Honestly, he, he knew I wanted to be a head coach. You know, I was kind of at a crossroads when I was at Cal Poly, my, my freestyle career, had ended in 2008. I stayed on at Cal Poly for one more year. And I was kind of like, do I want to go keep going down this college coaching path? Or do I want to like maybe coach high school or do a club or, and I just had kind of made my mind up, you know, Hey, I'm going to go for it. Why not? I've been co coaching in college now for seven years. It's like, I put some time in, let's go for it because I knew it'd be difficult. I knew it'd be difficult to become a head coach. Um, just, there's not that many jobs out there, but then I was like, you know what? I need to position myself. I, I need to get a part of a program that's going to compete for a national title. And that can kind of give me that stepping stone to the, to that. So I had a relationship with Damian Hahn and that's how that happened. I ended up uh, getting to Cornell. Um, and then Rob was always like telling us, Hey, this job's open. That job's open. You should apply. And, you know, I remember a lot of us being kind of like, uh, you know, he's like, you can do it. He's like, what's your hesitation? You know, you could, you could run a program right now, you know? Um, but Rob was like, you should look in this Drexel job, you know, and he knew kind of the ins and outs of it. You know, he knew that, you know, they had, we had a lot, we had uh, fully funded scholarships. It's in the city of Philadelphia, um, which he knew that I liked, you know, being in more of that type of atmosphere versus like maybe the rural Ithaca, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but he, he, you know, he also said that, you know, we have, we have, we have our co-op program, which is very unique. You know, we're the only you know, school in the country that has this, you know, work program where our kids are working while they're going to school. And so he's like, I think you could really do well here. Um, and so I think Jack Childs, who was the, the coach here before me had, had reached out to Rob. Um, and so that was kind of how it started. And then I had talked to Jack and then I ended up, you know, applying for the job and talking to the administration here. And, um, and there, there's a funny story behind that too. I mean, I definitely wasn't the top pick. Um, I was probably like in the top three or four, but, uh, you know, they, they offered the job to two other people. Um, and, uh, it got turned down. And then there was kind of like a, this kind of second, you know, round of interviews. And, and that's how I got the job. Um, but I always, I just, I always believed I was going to get it. You know, when I, when I didn't get it, when I thought somebody else had it, it was kind of like, well, I guess not. But then it was like, Jack called me. He's like, the, the search is back open. Uh, Coach Childs called up. And so I got back in the mix and got the job and yeah, 
Yeah. Were the other two guys still in college coaching? Yeah. So from, you know, from what I heard, the, the job was offered to Chris Ayers um, and he turned it down. But then the, then the job was offered to Brad Dillon at Lehigh and supposedly he had accepted, uh, but then Lehigh countered, you know, and made his position a little bit better there at Lehigh. And so he pulled out kind of last minute. Got um, it. So then, yeah. So then I was next up. So I, I feel fortunate, you know, I feel really, really fortunate and um, it, it's been great. It's, been, it's been so cool to see the program build and you've been there since like 2010, is it? Uh, 11, 2011. Um, and yeah, I mean, just, uh, just the growth of the program, the growth in the qualifiers. And then, you know, all of this, a lot of people don't know. I didn't know this, that Drexel and Penn are like two blocks from each other. And so your guys' RTC is pretty cool. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I first got here, Rob Eider was the coach. And obviously I came in, I was like, I want to start a regional training center. And so Rob and I sit down and they had already had a, a training center in place. And he was like, Hey, why don't we, you know, why don't we just, you know, kind of share, you know, the, the title. And, and so we did, but it wasn't, it wasn't super organized. It was kind of just an RTC and name. And then um, when there was a coaching uh, change, uh, Roger stepped in and created the Pennsylvania regional training center and really kind of, created this, you know, this great organization with a lot of great people involved in. Um, and so we kept, you know, that this partnership going, you know, I, I told him, I'm like, look, you know, if, if you're going to have an RTC, I would love to keep this partnership going. Um, and because I think it just makes sense. We're so close. This is the only place in the whole United States where two wrestling teams are literally walking distance away, two blocks. Um, so it just, it just makes sense. Um, and, and, and yes, it's been a great partnership, you know, you know, a couple years in, uh, we hired Brandon Slay as the head coach and, uh, you know, Brandon just has really taken this organization to a whole new level. Um, and you see the athletes we have now here, you know, Jordan Burroughs is now here in the city and Mark Hall, David McFadden, who now we've hired as our volunteer assistant at Drexel, Joey McKenna, Ethan Lezak. I mean, this is an incredible group of, of, of senior level athletes that we have, you know, training with our Drexel and Penn wrestlers. Um, and, you know, that's a, a large in part due to Brandon's you know, relationships, you know, just across, you know, USA wrestling. Um, but yeah, even I just had a conversation with Brandon, you know, recently, it's like, it just makes sense. You know, it's like, why are we doing this? Because it makes sense. You know, yeah. why wouldn't we pool our resources together? And, and when we get together, it's like, sometimes we have, you know, eight coaches in the room at one time, eight college coaches in the room and, you know, these, you know, six, seven senior level athletes, and then there's Drexel and Penn wrestlers. And so, you know, for, you know, some of these senior level guys, it's like, why wouldn't you come to the Pennsylvania RTC, the PRTC, when you have two college programs that you can get partners from, you know, there's never a shortage on partners, right? You know, both of these programs are, both these programs are on the rise. Um, and you know, we're going to be, you know, really making some noise on the national scene here in the next, you know, five years. So it, it just, it just makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome that, you know, the collaborations there and I know Penn just hired one of my uh, childhood friends, BJ Futrell, who I'm sure has been in the room. And uh, I mean, I, I say friends, we just, we competed you know, at the same tournaments when we were around each other and now become friends, but he's awesome. And, you know, he's a, a veteran on the senior level. So I'm sure he's in on those practices as well. Um, last question. Uh, I know we're kind of going along here, but you know, Roger Reyna, I oftentimes 
doesn't get enough credit for what he did with Penn. And, you know, since I've started this Brandon Slade documentary, I've learned about Penn. I've learned about Roger and how they were almost going to drop wrestling at Penn. He becomes a coach at age 24 and really builds a program in the Ivy League kind of before Cornell did it. And now that he's back, like what's been the biggest change of just having him back around the, uh, the Penn program that you've noticed? Well, I think, you know, Rogers had a huge impact on just Philadelphia wrestling in general, since he's been back, you know, um, what Roger does really well. And I really admire about him is that he connects people. I mean, he's just a, um, he's a networking machine, you know, he just knows how to find the right people to fit the right, you know, uh, job you know if that if that makes sense like mm -hmm. you know we've got the wrestlers and business network uh going back up in philly roger was part of that roger you know wasn't the coach at penn yet when he's you know when he got the the prtc off the ground but he's the one who spearheaded that um you know and and obviously he leans a lot on the penn alums and 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 now you know the drexel alums um and yeah, the, the Penn Wrestling Network is is uh, is, is powerful. You know, I'm, I'm kind of making a case for their program, but um, I I really like Roger a lot, and um, you know I look at him as being a mentor, and I go to him and ask him questions, and, and he'll he'll help me. And um, but yeah, Penn was was uh, you know a top ten program when I was in college, so I remember those days. You know that was when that was when I was you know coming through. Um, so I I remember that, and. Um, you know, it looks like, you know, they're, they're doing a great job with recruiting and their program is, is on the rise. And it's kind of fun because both of our programs are on the rise. You know, I'm, you know, we're, you know, we want, we all want the same things. And so the fact that we can work together and, and help each other, even though we're competitors, um, it's, I think it takes special people to be able to do that. I think a lot of wrestlers wouldn't be able to work together and, and look, and it's challenging at times, but, right. um, uh, but, but it's, it, it's a fun challenge. Um, and we've got a really cool thing going on here in Philadelphia. I mean, we just, we really do with the two programs, uh, the three programs, if you count the PRTC and then, you know, beat the streets, we're all, you know, really involved with that as well. It's just another little facet of the, what we call the Philadelphia wrestling ecosystem. Uh, we've got a lot of cool things going on in Philadelphia, you know, so no it's doubt an exciting time for us. And we got the net, we got that we're hosting the national championships in 2025. So you know, we're co-hosting that. So that'll be, that'll be awesome as well. Very exciting. And I, you know, I think about the nationals coming there. And I remember when you first got to Drexel, you had the flow nationals there and you're always doing things to bring, you know, stuff to the, to the, to the program there at Drexel. And, you know, when Drexel joined the EIWA, that had to be a big, big jolt for the program because a lot of people don't know EIWA has the second most bids most years. Um, and you could correct me on that, but you just in general, what has that meant for the program? And as you look ahead, what are you excited about for the Drexel program? Yeah, it, it completely elevated our program overnight, you know, instantaneously, you know, we went from one of, you know, a conference that was, you know, a lower, lower half conference to right, you know, arguably the second best conference in the country. Um, and, and, and just the, the prestige around that. And, and, and obviously, you know, now we're, uh, in the conversation for recruiting against the Ivies, against the military academies, against Cornell, against Lehigh, you know, when Cornell and Lehigh are, you know, top five programs every other year, you know, and now that's the standard that we're shooting for. It just raises everybody's level. It raises the recruit that we can get. 
and, you know, just raises our expectations. You know what I mean? And yeah, our first year in the EIWA, we put a, we put a freshman in the finals and it was just like right then and there, you're like, wow, here's the impact. You know, you make the finals of the EIWA, you're, you're, you know, you're seated at the national tournament. I mean, you're, you're, you know, so it was huge. It was huge. It was definitely, uh, you know, a shot in the arm to the program and our recruiting, especially. Um, and yeah, you know, our goal is to win the conference, you know, and, and we, we believe that we can do that. You know, we believe that we're making that progress. You know, we feel like we're going to put the best team that our program's ever seen on the map this year. And we've got a great coaching staff. We added Scott Parker, who's a two-time All-American from Lehigh um, uh, lat this oh, in December. And now McFadden's on board and I'm, I'm still looking for my third, my third assistant. So uh, I'm back in the process of hiring a new coach. So, but we've got a great coaching staff and we'll add another great coach. And, you know, our, our program is really just, I think about to take off and see, you know, the best years it's ever seen. So. I love it. I'm so excited for the next year. And I understand you do a, a dual each year where it's like sell the place out. Do you have your schedule yet? And do you know when that will be? Cause it'd be fun to come out for that. Um, I, we, we don't, we don't, uh, so spirit night, we don't night, know yeah. what night. Exactly. Yeah. Spirit night. We don't know exactly what, which match is going to be spirit night just yet, but we are, we're going to have Oregon state at home. We're going to have Purdue at home. We're going to have, uh, um, Cornell as well. So might, maybe it'll be Cornell. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We usually try to, you know, pick a duel that we know is going to be challenging and where we really want a crowd that's going to like, you know, give our guys that extra boost but that's always a fun night for sure. I'll, well, I'll let you know once, once we decide what match that's going to be, I'll let you know. Awesome. Well, coach, I, I really enjoyed the conversation this morning. It's been a lot of fun and you, you just, you, you cover so many areas of wrestling. It's, it's just been a, like I said, a lot of fun to research this. Any last words before we sign off? Uh, oh, wow. Um, I, no, I don't think so. I mean, this, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you, you know, um, taking the time to, to talk to me and, and, uh, let me talk wrestling. I like talking wrestling too. It's fun. It's, it's fun to kind of talk about pe uh, people other than yourself. You yeah. Know, I, I've been around a lot of great wrestlers and a lot of great coaches and I've been super fortunate. And I, and maybe it's, I like to name drop, but I, I think, cause for me, it's like, I'm even blown away by the people that I've been able to be around, you know, uh, as a coach, and as an athlete, I've been lucky, you know, and I try to take all those experiences and apply them to, you know, what I'm doing now, um, you know, try to take a little bit of wisdom or a little bit of technique from, from everybody you come across and, you know, pass it on to, to, to my athletes. So. That's awesome. Will we see a Cal Poly Drexel duel anytime in the near future? Oh yeah, for sure. We, we were out there to, we went out there, we took our whole team out to California, uh, December of 2019. Okay. And we actually went out there, trained with Cal Poly a little bit. We dueled them and Stanford and, and uh, Cal Baptist. So, you know, I try to get to San Luis Obispo about every three years. I probably <laughs> every guy on my team that I've coached at Drexel has been to Cal Poly. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I try to get should. that as much as I can. Yeah. As they should. And I, I love the, uh, there's, there's a little bit of momentum around the California RTC out at Cal Poly right now with, uh, with the meathead movers guys. Uh, I love, uh, I love Aaron. Aaron, Aaron, Steve, Aaron yeah. Steve. Yeah. That is, um, that's awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm like, 
I am so happy for those guys. And obviously my uncle's a part of that as well, but um, you know, that building that they're, that they're going to, you know, turn into a wrestling facility is really, really cool. And it's, you know, obviously being from California, I always root for the California programs and root for California wrestling. And um, yeah, I'm really happy to see that. So I, I know my uncle's super excited. I know he's excited about the Wick boy being at, uh, at Cal Poly as well. And that's, that's awesome for them, you know, and yeah. obviously I still have a lot of ties and relate. I know Aaron Steed, you know, we, we go way back as well. So it's, um, I'm really happy for them. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's a good way to sign this off coach. You have a great day and thanks again for the time. And that's the end of this episode of wrestling changed my life. Thank you so much for tuning in to watch the full video interview. Go to YouTube wrestling changed my life. And that's it. We'll see you next time.